Hello, everyone. Welcome to the NTT20 betting show sponsored by Black Type Bet. Black Type are still offering a £10 free football bet for all of you who have not yet signed up to an account. You can do so with the offer code NTT20. You'll get a £10 free bet on a football selection before you even need to deposit anything. So entirely risk-free. I suggest, if you haven't done that already, uh, that you do so after listening to this podcast using the offer code NTT20. Have a listen to some of our selections, see which ones you fancy, think about what you fancy this weekend as well, and see if you can do some damage with that £10 free bet, because we know there are a few of you who have turned it into a very, very nice bit of wedge indeed. So that's offer code NTT20 as you sign up to a black type account. There were no score ball winners last week, so a good week in that sense for black type after having to pay four £20 free bets to winners the previous week. Uh, but no winners last week, so uh, unfortunately uh, not enough nil-nils. There was only one across League One and League Two. But we're back this weekend, of course, with a full slate of EFL action. Uh, 36 games for you to get your teeth into. So tweet us with a nil-nil, tweet us with a over four and a half goals pick and any winners win £20 in free bets from Black Type. Uh, as ever, George will be answering your punting-related question later in the podcast, so stick around for that. If you've got any questions about punting, uh, whether they are general or specific, uh, basic or complicated, please do send them in to us at NTT20pod and at Black Type Bet, and we'll be working our way through them over the course of the season. George, uh, Oh, it's annoying. It's so annoying. But run us through last week's results. Not our best international break, it's fair to say. Not as disastrous as the weekend before, but we've got a lot of making up to do. Yeah, um, we won't dwell on this for too long because no one wants to hear the bad news. But uh, yeah, you had a struggle, just the one winner. Um, I had just two winners as well. Um, that left me minus one for the week and you minus 3.95 for the week. Um, it was... I guess something quite predictable that there was a late Josh Madger goal that really uh, annoyed me with the here BTTS no pick. Um, but either way, um, you've got to turn it around now. Yeah. It's getting to that stage. You know, you've got to rally. It's where you find out what the lads are like in the dressing room rally. So it's, uh, it's, it's minus 9.95 for you and I'm minus 1.6. This is where we find out what I'm like in my own individual dressing room in my own mental space. I'm feeling very good about my picks this week. I'm going to get that out there early. This is how seriously I'm taking it now. This is how much it affects me having two uh, losing weeks. I genuinely dreamt last night that I checked the scores at half-time and all of my picks were ahead at half-time. We're winning to nil, 2 nil, 3 nil. Not going to give them away just yet. We're going to work our way through them. Uh, but that's how seriously I'm taking it, guys, so please do bear with. Uh, and, and as ever, just tweet us what you think about our selections, which ones you agree with or don't like. Uh, anything that we've missed, please do tweet us at NTT20pod. At the match in focus this week, there was only ever going to be one winner, wasn't there, George? It's the second city derby, Aston Villa against Birmingham, at <coughs> midday on Sunday. And we've spoken a couple of times about it in recent weeks on various different outlets. And the consensus seems to be this is going to be the best version of this derby um, that we've seen in the last three seasons while both teams has been, have been down at the championship level. Uh, from what Villa have shown in the last few weeks, they are finally uh, a team to in, enjoy watching, which we haven't always said. So you've been looking at things from a Villa point of view. How do you think they're shaping up heading into this derby? I think they're shaping up really well. Um, I said on the last betting show that I thought they were maybe a bet to win the league, which suggests that I hold them in high in high stead. A look at the data behind Dean Smith's first few games. I mean, it's easy to forget that because of the good feeling he's cultivated at the club, 
he's actually overseen two defeats um, in his five games. But even in that time, if you're looking at the data behind it, they, they've won the XG battle in all but one of those games. Um, they, uh, the XG was 3.1 against Derby, which suggests they were good value for their 3-0 lead. Um, and they're posting decent numbers consistently. Um, when Dean Smith came into the club, he said that he thought Jack Grealish needed to, needed to add more to his game. A quick look at the shot stats as well. He's had 16 shots in those first five games compared to 24 in the previous 12. I think generally he's got this Aston Villa team purring and playing with some freedom that they didn't play with before. However, and this is this is a bit of a however, I think defensively, it's not quite as rosy as it seems. I mean, they kept a clean sheet against Bolton, they kept a clean sheet against Derby, they kept a clean sheet against Swansea. And so that's three clean sheets in five games. I can already remember a lot of saves and a lot of missed chances uh, from the opposition in those games. Indeed. Well, the, the XG against in the five games is 1.02, 1.06, 0, sorry, 0.97, 1.17 and 1.45. So not high numbers by any stretch of the imagination. This isn't by any means disastrous, but it shows that those those clean sheets aren't necessarily shutouts. Um, injury doubts about uh, Chester going into the game. Injury doubts about McGinn going into the game. You know, I, I thought probably before looking into this that I was going to be very pro Villa in this match, but having had a little look, yeah, at, at odds on, I'm not entirely sure that, that I'd be getting involved. And, and part of that is because I rate this Birmingham team that you're going to expertly guide us through now uh, quite highly. Yeah, you've backed them a few times this season uh, fairly successfully, I think it's fair to say. I think the pattern of this game could be quite similar to the QPR Villa game that I went to the other day on the Friday night. Um, Villa will have the, the lion's share of possession. That's what they want. Uh, and Birmingham will be perfectly happy with that. They actually average the lowest possession uh, in the league this season in terms of possession percentage uh, per game. So they're very, very comfortable doing that and they're very, very comfortable if that's going to be the case. So when Villa have 70% possession through 10 minutes on Sunday, don't for a minute think to yourself, oh gosh, you know, Villa have started really, really well. Um, back, back Birmingham on the, on the back foot because it's, this, that's exactly what they will be planning for. And I think compared to QPR, Birmingham probably have more of a threat up front Obviously, Djukovic has eight goals in eight games. Adam, with his hat-trick last time out, has five in five. This is a team that doesn't have much of the ball, but is very efficient in terms of creating chances when they do have it. Um, they play a, a direct game, not hoofball, but direct in the sense that they move the ball forward quickly. We, I remember speaking about QPR. It's very notable that they get the ball forward into the feet of Freeman, into the feet of Easy uh, very swiftly. Well, Birmingham do the same. Whether it's straight into the front two or whether it's out wide to Hotter, who I think can have a really good time in this game. Uh, whether it's up against the returning Neil Taylor, who is going to be lacking some match fitness, or most likely Alan Hutton, I think, if Taylor doesn't play. Um, I saw in the flesh how much uh, Monk and Birmingham and Hotter targeted Johan Barbe at Griffin Park a few weeks ago. I wouldn't be surprised if he does the same here. So I think Hotter can do some real damage. Dean Smith will have to think closely about who he plays left wing because I think the left back will need some help. So although I know there's Villa fans excited about Balassi getting back to full fitness, I feel like it'll still be a domer this weekend because of that threat uh, down the right that Birmingham have. But of course, uh, yeah, as I said, it's not just punting it forward to Djukovic and finding a flick on, even though that could be a, a decent game plan this weekend. We've seen Villa struggle with long balls in the last few weeks against QPR and against Derby as well in the first half. And if Yedinak comes in for Chester, which seems to be the obvious choice, that does, to me, seem like a big issue for Villa at the back. Um, he might win a few more aerial battles with Djukovic than Chester would, 
But I just think that the, the movement of the front two and Adams could cause him real issues positionally when he's played at centre-back. I think he's, he's really been lacking. So um, for Blues, you know, in central midfield, they've got a bit of an issue. Gary Gardner is on loan from Villa, so he can't play in this game. And he's been in excellent form recently, a really underrated part of this Birmingham team. It looks like he'll be replaced by Craig Gardner, his brother, which from my point of view is a big drop-off. Um, I don't like Gardner, Craig Gardner, that is, as a replacement um, like for like. I think he's more wasteful in possession. I think he's an absolute nap, nailed on for a booking in this game. Uh, and I just think he's less steady, which is what Gardner and Keefton Belt's job is to be steady, and that's what they've done so well. Um, on to what my selection is. Birmingham have only kept one clean sheet in their last eight league games, but clearly I do think they can cause Villa problems. I do think they can create chances, even with uh, not much of the ball. So I'm just going straight up both teams to score here, um, 17 to 20 with black type, which is 1.85. What, what about you? Yeah, I'm with you. First time we've done this before. Um, exactly the same selection, both teams to score. I, I, I agree with you that I think that Birmingham have the tools to to trouble what, what could be a threadbare Villa team um, This uh, in this one. It's going to be Again, they're both very up for. I think there'll be a, an onus on attacking from both teams. Um, Gary Monk said today, we are underdogs. Every bookmaker expects them to win. Everything is against us. Well, Gary, the NTT 20 boys think you guys have got a chance. So, uh, so we'll see if we can both get it right together. Good stuff. Right, let's move swiftly through our picks, starting with your nap, please, George. Yeah, my nap's in League One. Um, it's a tried and tested method um, in, in what's been a topsy-turvy league as ever, but it's Pompey away um, at 21 to 20, which is... Black type, and they are best price on odds checker as well. Um, <clears throat> Portsmouth have uh, won seven of their last nine away games in the league, um, and the other two were jewels, so they're unbeaten in that nine. Um, they're, they're absolutely purring. They seem to enjoy the freedom that playing away gives them, not playing against teams who, nec- who sit back. I uh, spoke to Ollie Hawkins on TalkSport 2 a couple of weeks ago, and he seems to think that was the issue at, at Fratton Park. Teams coming and trying to hold on and dropping very deep. Scunthorpe look on the face of it possibly resurgent um, they've scored five goals in their last two games however a look at the data suggests that in both those games they were lucky to do so um, the win against Bristol Rovers they were, they were well um, outdone uh, on the shot data they're posting a number of 1.17 for their expected goals um, which means that maybe both results flatter them somewhat as well but given the manager in, in Stuart McCall given the fact that they have picked up a, a big four points in the last two games I think there's no chance that Scunthorpe um, will sit back here and another play into the hands of Portsmouth. So this is a bit of everything. It's a bit of Portsmouth being good away from home. It's a bit of Scunthorpe not being as good as results look. And it's also a clash of styles that I think will suit the away team down to a T. So my nap is uh, Pompey at 21 to 20 uh, in League One. Nice. Happy days. Mine is another regular one. We're starting as we are in week 17 to really be able to see some trends just amongst ourselves and, and uh, who we fancy and why we fancy it. Uh, I'm actually going to repeat my nap from last week, which was a losing nap, of course. That was Tranmere. They lost uh, and they didn't perform very well away at Crew, losing 3-2. I still think on the balance of play, they probably didn't deserve to lose, but at the same time, you could definitely say they didn't deserve to win. So um, I don't really understand the price here. They're, they're 6-4 to four at home to Oldham, uh, 2.5 or 2.5, I should say, in decimal. Um, I, I can only assume that this is largely data-driven and that Oldham um, project better than their position and that Tranmere project worse than their proje- uh, position, sorry, <laughs> in terms of the performance data, possibly also to do with that result last weekend. Oldham uh, getting a good win against Cambridge, but... In their last eight games, Oldham have uh, won two, drawn two, lost four. Tranmere have won five, 
drawn one and lost two. Against top half teams, Oldham have played seven games, uh, drawn three and lost four. Uh, but against the bottom eight, they've got 18 points from their eight games. So that shows us their level fairly clearly, I think, in terms of the results. Um, not good enough against the top half teams, not good enough to trouble them really, um, but, but well above uh, the bottom end of the table. So uh, Tranmere at home, fantastic. 20 points in their nine games, six wins, two draws and one defeat. They've only conceded three goals in their nine home games, so one every three games. And their last four home games have been a, a 1-0 win against Lincoln, 1-0 win against Macclesfield, a 5-1 win against Crawley, and a 2-0 win against Exeter. So it might be boring to tip them as my nap. They let me down last week. I know that they have some question marks over some of their key players ahead of the weekend, Norwood and Banks in particular. Um, but uh, I don't rate Oldham particularly highly. I think they've got some good individual players, but I don't think that they're a, a particularly good as, a, as an ensemble. Um, whereas I think Tranmere have some good individuals, but I also think, crucially, they're an excellent team and that they know how to win, especially at home. So for me, it's one of the league's top teams, maybe the fourth or fifth best, who have a brilliant home record against one of the league's middling teams with a middling away record. Um, and at 6-4, to 2.5, I'm, I'm very keen to get on board. So Tranmere, my nap. Uh, so we're in different leagues, nap-wise. So let's go up to the Championship and, and talk about our selections there, George, starting with you. Yeah, regular listeners here will be a bit surprised, but um, I was going to pick Derby, but then a little look at, at some of their away performances recently, uh, namely at Bolton and, and Rotherham, really put me off, um, especially coming off the back of a de- disappointing defeat against Villa. Um, so I am going to Griffin Park and going against... Uh, the darlings of NTT20 in Brentford. Um, got to be huge concerns about Brentford uh, at the moment. Despite continuing to po- post good numbers, um, I think the, the inexperience and age of, of, of their defenders in Mepham and Konza and, and uh, Jean Vier when he plays is really uh, showing now. Uh, squandering leads uh, as they did against QPR, going down really without a trace. Um, obviously good news on the injury front that... that um, the injury to Morpay was just a uh, just a concussion rather than anything more serious. But you know, this is the Middlesbrough team who are going to be very adept at keeping um, at keeping Brentford at arm's length. Uh, looking at their their away performances recently, they, they got a point during nil nil away at Stoke. They did a job on Sheffield Wednesday and Ipswich. Um, again, Sheffield Wednesday scored a, scored a worldie, but realistically, in my mind, that was good enough defensive performances to have kept clean three, she- three clean sheets um, I understand why the prices are, are as they are it's, it's because of the numbers it's because despite the fact that Brentford are currently 15th in the league the XG data suggests that they are um, you know one of the top teams in the league but I, I just think that, uh, that there's something up there at the moment this uh, is the absolute classic Mike Holden's spoken on our pod before about uh, when we've done playoff previews about masculine teams and feminine teams, mm. um, which sounds a bit odd, but essentially feminine teams focused on, on, uh, on performance and, and normally possession-based stylish teams, whereas masculine teams very much just focused on result. Uh, and you can see that that is definitely how this matchup comes yeah, as well. Yeah, exactly. And, it just, it's and, just, and I should add that Mike tends to lean towards the masculine teams in one-off games, in yeah, playoff games. Yeah, indeed. I mean, I, I think over time, Brentford's position will correct itself. But, but in this game, I, I think Tony Pulis will be rubbing his hands at this one. Um, he'll see this as an opportunity for his team to assert themselves. And, uh, and at 21 to 10, it's, it's, it's just too big a price really to let up against a team who've only conceded seven or eight goals this whole season, coming up against a team who, who've lost the winning knack. Yeah, a lot of uh, long-ish price picks this weekend, which is exciting. My pick is just under 2-1. to one. Nottingham Forest 
at 15 to 8 away at Hull. So that's 2.87 for the decimal fans. You hate fans. Hull. So, yeah. <laughs> when are you going to learn? <laughs> I was going to mention, I'm, I'm actually, you might remember, and eagle-eyed listeners, eagle-eared listeners will remember that I'm actually banned from picking teams away at Hull as my nap. Um, but uh, the ruling on the field is I can still pick teams away at Hull because it's my podcast and it's my money and I can do with it whatever I want. So um, I am going against Hull uh, and for Forest. I, can't, I just couldn't, I kept coming back to it. I was trying to pick something else because I knew there'd be murmurings from the listeners, but I looked at Wigan at home to Reading at 17 to 20 and I just kept coming back to, to Forest. There was a time where they drifted out to two to one. Uh, now back into 15 to 8. But it would just be, I think, going against everything I believe in to ignore this. I believe that there is a large gap between these two teams. I believe that Nottingham Forest are a lot better than Hull. I believe that although Hull have had a, a decent few weeks with um, Grisicki playing a bit better, or just playing, uh, which is a good start, and Fraser Campbell taking some chances recently, they're still in the relegation zone. I think that is a fair reflection of this team. Um, I think that they are certainly in the bottom five. Whether they'll end up being relegated, I'm not sure. They might have enough to get out of it. But they are one of the worst teams in the league, and I do believe that. I also understand that Forrest have been struggling all season to put teams away. Turning draws into wins has been an issue for them, and, and that's what's holding them back. That's why they haven't been dining right at the top table just yet. But um, I, I sort of, they're the sort of team for me, Forrest, who are always in the game. Um, they, they're basically they're not going to get battered in any game. Um, and when they've played bad teams, that's when they have done well. So they've played five teams in the bottom eight, winning four and drawing one. So these are the teams that Forrest have been able to beat. Um, and, and that's what gives me some encouragement. Uh, they've been very good defensively, as you'd expect under Karanka. They've conceded less than a goal a game this season, which is the third best rate in the league Hull have scored less than a goal a game this season the fourth worst in the league so I do think that uh, 15 to 8 for Forrest to go to the KCOM and win seems a more than fair price in me in, in my opinion <laughs> that's a bit Spanish in mi opinion <laughs> um, it seems like a fair price in my opinion and that's why Nottingham Forest are my pick for the championship We'll go to League Two now, George, to finish off your team picks. Yeah, I'm looking at uh, Morecambe, Notts County here. Uh, Notts County still without a manager, but Neil Ardley is now five on for the job as we speak. So that could be changing pretty soon. But I still think that there is too much wrong at Notts County really at the moment. I think the, the, the results against Cheltenham last week was a team who are devoid of confidence, devoid of leadership. Um, Harry Keel's departure provided them with no bounce I'm sure Ardley will give them something if he does take the role on because of the kind of character he is. But we are talking now two days before the game and I'll be amazed if he can get a reaction out of his team in that time. Morecambe, resurgent. Um, they've, they've put away a very good, well, we think good for a screen team, but there are arguments about that. Oh, last time out, um, they beat uh, Yeovil at home um, in their last league game. Uh, and the, I think they're just a team trending on the up. Um, and realistically, this is more about Notts County where I'd, I'd be pretty happy to take on any um, take, take them on against anyone in the league currently especially away from home um, so at, uh, at 33 to 20 which is best price again uh, black, black type of offering Morecambe are my league two pick we've always said that Morecambe do their best work in games against teams who are around them at the bottom and that's where we're that's what we're hoping for again this weekend so my last pick is up in league one and it's Wickham to beat Shrewsbury uh, at 2.8 so uh, just again a shade under two to one and very much going against the black type traders who have made this they're the very much best price here for this Wickham team um, and 
I, I suppose that's because this is going against the data as well. Um, Shrewsbury's performance data over the course of the season, over the course of the last eight games, over the course of the last four games, is ridiculously good, um, right at the top end of League One. And it, it's very hard to marry that up with um, the results, uh, with the general mood amongst the place, the fact that they are still looking for a new manager, the fact that the players clearly haven't been performing, haven't been taking their chances and, and have been giving away soft goals. So um, I'm certainly... You know, we always say that if someone's data is that good, we would expect, you know, you mentioned it with Brentford earlier, you'd expect them to, to start moving up the table at some point. But just in this one-off game, I'm, I'm taking Wickham against Shrewsbury. Wickham have won their last four games at home. Uh, impressive in, in, in all of those performances. Impressive, obviously, at the Stadium of, the light, of Light last week, drawing with Sunderland. And I think that, you know, as they've moved away from the relegation zone, they've really grown into their League One status. And I think that... Uh, they're sort of seen as a very small team at this level, which is absolutely fair. And any time you hear Gareth Ainsworth talk, he, he sort of um, doubles down on that and makes it very clear the, the, the small resources that he's working with. At the same time, he's managed to put together what I consider to be a perfectly good team and, and quite a good starting eleven with a few different options going forward. So, of course, they've got Akin Fenwa and Mikhail Smith, who have been there and done it, but they've also got Cowan Hall, Randall Williams... Um, as well, who, who are, uh, and of course, Fred Onyadinma, who we mentioned early on in the week. So I think they've got good options, solid at the back, of course, they are with Adam El Abd and Darius Charles at centre back. Um, and just under two to one, I just think they're a, a nice price to make it five wins in a row at home and to beat Shrewsbury. So they're my pick for League One, which leaves us with both teams to score selections and long shots. George, starting with BTTS. Uh, you're going for another no, which has been a bit of a theme in recent weeks. It's done you quite well, I think. Yeah, it's done all right. Well, last week should have been a winner, but it wasn't. Um, but yeah, Coventry, Peterborough on Friday night. Um, this is a pretty quick one. I, I think Peterborough are desperate. Uh, despite their position in the league, I think going forward, they're, they're, they're really struggling at the moment. And the mood, uh, both in the, in the, within the fan base, seems to have, uh, have turned. I think the players are devoid of confidence. And, and it's amazing to say this about a team who have... Who have Still flying high on the table, but you know to register four shots uh, in 90 minutes at home to Cambridge when you're t- one 0 down after 10 minutes is absolutely appalling. Um, Coventry are, are still built upon a, a fairly firm and solid defence. Um, they don't concede many goals in games. I mean, they, they haven't. They kept a, last kept a clean sheet three games ago at home against Wickham, but just one goal conceded against Doncaster, one goal conceded against Accrington, one goal conceded against Port Portsmouth, one goal conceded against Sunderland. They're not conceding loads of goals or, or conceding loads of chances. So, um, I mean, I wouldn't put you off a bet of Coventry to win to nil here. Um, it wouldn't surprise me massively if it's a nil draw. Um, but this is one where it's just kind of getting against, against uh, Peterborough, who, who, in fairness, in, in the match, you know, in the, in the match winner marker, are just about two to one. So they're not particularly fancied by the odds anyway, but this is a way of... Of, uh, of keeping them offside rather than getting them onside. Yes, I'm going completely against you uh, for my long shot, so I'll do that now. It's Peterborough to win this game with both teams to score uh, at 17-4, to 4, which is 5.25 as a decimal. Um, I very much take your point about Peterborough. What I was thinking earlier is how every time we see and uh, there's this um, sort of moaning and wailing and bad vibes coming out of Posh. It's always after a home game. And that's basically every two weeks this season we've spoken about being worried about Peterborough and, and, and how worrying their performances have been. 
but the away form has been notably different. I can't think of a team with as big uh, a difference between home and away form as Peterborough this season. Um, and obviously they've won seven, drawn one and lost one. So clearly fantastic results away from home. They've only won three at home. It clearly suits them playing uh, away from home. And in terms of uh, shot data, in terms of shots on target, they are second in the league if you just look at away games. In terms of shots on target faced, they're sort of in the middle of, of, the, of the table of that. So um, if you look at that data for their home performances, it is hugely worrying. But something about playing away from home, being away from London Road, really, really has suited them. And, and I do think that the quality of some of their personnel probably helps. Having a bit more space to play in probably helps as well. Uh, and I think commentary will give them that because, as you say, commentary will be confident going into this one as well. Um, out of Posh's nine wins this season, seven of, them, seven of them have also come with both teams to score. So my long shot this week is Peterborough and BTTS at 17-4. to four. So, again, we are opposed there, but there are ways where we could both end up losing. So, fingers crossed for one of us. My BTTS is in Preston versus Blackburn. Uh, yes, for me, both teams to score at 1.845. Preston just haven't got their defence right yet this season. Only three clean sheets from 17 games, but they have scored in each of their last nine. So, their move away from the bottom... Um, has mostly been down to Callum Robinson and, and his attacking partners really starting to click. Um, they have kept two clean sheets in the last eight games, but in that time, uh, they've, they have conceded in games against Rotherham, Hull and Ipswich, which says to me that they still haven't quite got it together at the back. Uh, BTTS has landed in 75% of Preston's home games this season. For Blackburn, it's again two clean sheets in their last eight, home to QPR and away at Bolton. Um, I fancy this to be a very even game and I think that goes with my selection as well that's a boost for that both teams will fancy their chances both teams have good attacking players and neither of them are are massively strong defensively so Preston Blackburn BTTS yes at 1.8 which leaves us with George's long shot for the weekend yeah I think QPR are a massive value to win at the game I'm going to be at on, uh, on, oh, nice. on, on Saturday um, at about the three to one mark. But there are ways that we can maximise that value if we look into the stats. I mean, we don't need, you don't need me to tell you that Stoke aren't particularly exciting this season, but look at the numbers behind the, the results and it really is pretty scary stuff. Uh, running in order of their last few games, this is their output XG, so what they registered going forward. 0.6 against Nottingham Forest, 0.6 against Middlesbrough, 0.96 against Bristol City, 0.89 against Sheffield United, 1.18 against Birmingham 0.46 against Norwich 1.35 against Bolton 1.4 against Rotherham that is miserable uh, QPR on, on the other hand on, in a fantastic run of form um, you know we know with Gary Rowett's team they're going to be set out to, to defend and they do it well as we saw against Middlesbrough although Middlesbrough did have chances to win that game um, so my one here is, is pretty simple I, I think this is a game that's going to be really really cagey but we've seen that QPR have the qualities going forward with the likes of Freeman and Easy who's obviously easing into an unbelievable season <laughs> so far uh, really looking like he's a, he's a fantastic prospect and I think, as I said, QPR value to win it. Um, but as a long shot, I'm happy to, uh, to have a go at QPR to win 1-0 at 10-1. to 1. Very nice. I like that a lot. Um, you'll obviously be at Stoke, so it'll be a tough one to celebrate if that comes in. But uh, well, it, it's about time... I mean, we, I'm in the away end, so... Oh, right, OK, fine. fine. <laughs> well, it's about, time we, uh, it's about time one of us won a long shot, so fingers crossed for you there. So those are our picks. Before I run through the picks, let's just touch on our sort of question of the week for George it came from Tom I think this is a good time to ask this as well because 
Um, I, so, I certainly noticed when putting my picks together from what I fancied that all of them probably were going what I would consider against the data, slightly against uh, the XG ratios, etc. And what that would suggest going for. So Tom asks, how much value is there in the EFL football markets nowadays with the XG stats so easily accessible for the market makers. I remember two or three years ago even, uh, when we were really starting to take note of this stuff, you could definitely find huge discrepancies in in what we were seeing in the data and what some of the prices were. Uh, That seems to me to have almost vanished, and I suppose that's what what Tom's touching on here. What's your take on that? It's interesting. I mean, obviously... Um, it's it's the use of the data that is more important than the data itself. I mean, even if the data is accessible to anyone, um, you or I, as I'm sure we have many times in this podcast, can use it correctly or you can use it incorrectly. And the same will go to the way the markets are formed as well. Obviously, it's fairly automated now and uh, and markets can move in certain directions due to the amount of liabilities that bookmakers have. However, all I would say to this, and this isn't particularly useful to, as a you know advice to give a recreational punter, but if you look at how the markets move um, in the last, say, 12 or 6 hours before a game um, and how much they shift in in certain directions. Uh, You know, Mike Holden, I know, takes note of of, of that money. That is basically syndicate money. So that's smart money moving the market towards where it should be. So the fact that even that close to the off, markets can move based on team news, uh, which may come out the hour before the game or it may come out 6 hours before the game or it may come out on Thursday afternoon, um, whether that is based on on other factors, you know, around weather. I mean, there, there are other edges, other angles you can explore. So, whilst definitely the markets are now more informed, um, that is no, in no way to say that that it's impossible to find value. If, if that was the case, then the prices wouldn't shift between Tuesday and Saturday, and oh, they do. So the fact that they do move means that you know, if if you can get on at the wrong price, which has got to be the aim, then then of course there's still stuff to exploit. And do you find it harder, you know, despite what you've said about there being other edges, we know that you're a, a data disciple. Um, cast your mind back three years ago to when I was talking about when some of the market makers, the bookies might not have been so savvy on, on the data stuff. Um, are you finding it tougher now or are you not really that fussed about it? Uh... I now think that, I think four or five years ago, I thought that my knowledge of, of um, the lower leagues set me in better stead to beat the market. I now probably think my understanding of betting coupled with it is, is, is equally as important. I don't think these days you can not get how markets are set up and, and, and uh, still make money. But it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's obviously going to be difficult. Um, you know, these are, these are informed markets now that... that you know, we talk about overs and unders and stat stuff the whole time you and I will, will, will rattle off the fact that seven of nine have been, all that information is in the market. All that information is, is, is like easily accessible, even like it's so basic to the people, you know, to, to the compilers. But then you've got to remember as well that it's shift of money now where still on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, the price that coming out initially is still being decided either by an algorithm, it still will be you know, manually affected as well. But by the time it comes Saturday, it's weight of money that's moving the, that's moving the market itself, which is obviously so much more accurate. So my advice here, and you know, it is Thursday afternoon, so it's early enough, is, is bet early because that's where you're going to be able to find the value. Well, let's go through our picks and see if that's the case for any of these because it's a nice spread, I think, this week of, uh, of different types of picks and it, across the different leagues as well. So in our match in focus, Aston Villa against Birmingham on Sunday at midday. Both of us 
have gone for the same pick, groundbreaking stuff on this podcast for the first ever time. We are both picking both teams to score uh, a 17 to 20, that is, with black type. Uh, in the championship, George has picked Middlesbrough away at Brentford and I've picked Nottingham Forest away at Hull. In League One, I'm going with Wickham at home to Shrewsbury and George is taking Portsmouth away from home. Uh, in League Two, my nap is Tranmere. I should mention that George's nap is Portsmouth in that game in League One. Uh, my nap in League Two, Tranmere, uh, they need to do right by me this week. Whereas George is going for Morecambe in that game against Notts County. Our BTTS selections, George's is BTTS no in Coventry against Peterborough. Mine is BTTS yes in Preston against Blackburn. And our long shots, mine is very much opposed to what George thinks about Coventry Peterborough. I'm going for Posh and BTTS yes at 17 to 4, which is 5.25 as a decimal. George's long shot, QPR going to Stoke. He reckons 1-0 QPR could be a shout at 10 to 1. Please, please do tweet us with the ones that you fancy. Got a few of you that tweet us every week with your fancies, and it's great to see what others are thinking and how similarly you think to us or otherwise. So please do tweet us at NTT20pod when you've had a look through the coupon and, uh, and give us your thoughts because we love hearing from you. Thank you very much for listening. Please do share this podcast if you find it interesting, if you find it valuable, if you have any mates that you think would find it the same but who maybe aren't into podcasts yet like it's 2005. Um, it's been a pleasure and until Monday's podcast, that's it from us. <laughs> <laughs>